So let me start right off by introducing us. My name is Paul Ducklin. My friend and colleague joining me today is Fraser Howard. And Fraser, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I love to think of you as a specialist in everything. You know an awful lot about all aspects of malware. So you're a great guy to have along, particularly when we're looking at where malware has come from in the past year and what we think is going to happen next. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks, Paul. Do you mind if I start by putting you on the spot a little bit? Okay. What malware is out there? It's pretty obvious from the title that ransomware is a big deal and crypto jacking's a big deal. Let's leave those till later. There's loads of other sorts of malware, aren't there? So, for example, things that people may have heard of, what's a keylogger? So a keylogger is some sort of software that's designed to log keystrokes. It could be a criminal looking to steal data. It could be somebody looking to track their, a member of their family, a spouse potentially. But fundamentally, it's just doing that, logging keystrokes. And typically, it will have some mechanism to send that log data back to that um, person responsible for installing it. A keylogger could just about be legitimate. If crooks get this onto your computer, then it's really bad news because they can ignore 99% of what you type. And the 1% of the time you're typing in passwords, they've got your password. I mean, as a payload goes, this payload's been around for probably 25 plus years. And as payloads go, this is probably one of the worst types of payloads. If someone's had a keylogger on your system, just think of the type of data they've been able to steal as you type things in. It is a little chilling, isn't it? Okay, so another type of malware that we still hear a lot about, even in this ransomware crypto jacking era, banking trojans. What does that mean? It's, a, it's rather a jargon term. This is a bit of a simple one to define, really. Banking Trojan is basically, a, again, software, but malware specifically that's designed to essentially steal information associated with uh, online banking, typically. So we have this expression, man in the browser, or MITB. In, in, in today's world, we're always taught about HTTPS, so secure, securing um, web content in, in transit. By installing itself in the browser, the, the malware is able to basically see decrypted content without having to work out how to decrypt it for itself. Because obviously that content has to be decrypted in the browser for you as a user to see it and to interact with it. Okay, the next one, I'm getting a bit carried away here, data stealer. What does it mean if you've got malware in that category? So the term data stealing is, is I guess you describe a bit of a generalist. They're looking to steal any sort of data. And a piece of data could be as simple as an email address. You might have a software that harvests your hard drive harvests files on your file system looking for email addresses, which could, could then be used for a whole multitude of purposes. Or it could be passwords, it could be data that you're um, caching within your browser, so safe passwords and the like. Data is quite, quite a general term. Or it could be data that's managed to extract from within, I don't know, office documents on that machine. It's a very general term. Or presumably if you're doing Bitcoin payments, yep. then they might like to have a, a little look inside your Bitcoin wallet while you've got it open. Exactly. We see things that look for, say, uh, credit card numbers in files on disk. We get things that look for credit card numbers in memory. Because looking for a credit card number, I guess there's going to be probably a space and then 16 digits maybe with some dashes in. Yep. And there's a there's a little checksum and there's a one-digit checksum. So not every 16-digit string is a valid credit card number. Yeah. So the crooks can fairly easily identify Bitcoin addresses, credit card numbers, that sort of stuff. What about zombies and bots? So zombies and bots, there's a whole bunch of terms here. So let's think, let's, let's widen it. Zombies, bots, backdoors, rats. 
there's quite a lot of overlap between all these categories. <laughs> Basically, a zombie is some sort of software running on a machine where it's, it's suggestive of the, 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 the crooks having some form of remote control over this machine. So this bot is running on a system and the bad bot guys... Short for, it's like a zombie robot. Sitting there obeying commands. So it's not obvious like ransomware. It's not smashing you in the face. It's just sitting there doing almost nothing, costing you very little, but... It still makes you part of the problem rather than the solution, doesn't it? So we just spoke about data stealers. Well, most bots will have the capability of stealing and exfiltrating data. Oh, so they yeah. might have a command like to now look for spam addresses. Uh, look for addresses, take screenshots, fire up a keylogger. All of those um, categories that we've already just discussed, typically all of those categories will be wrapped up within any half-decent bot. Right, because if it, if, it, if it can snoop in memory, even if it can just see what the process is doing without much detail, it can see you've got a browser running. Yeah. And then if it can see that one of the tabs happens to be HTTPS colon slash slash your bank here, then why not take a screenshot, exactly. sneak it out, and come back and riffle through your bank account at some future stage. And more recently, we've had some pretty pretty horrible stories of people doing things like, you know, initiating a webcam on a system to record the user as they use that machine for whatever they're using it for, and then potentially, you know, obtain that information and maybe um, looking to blackmail that user in some way. I think the word you're looking for is sextortion. Okay, let's let's before we go back to the ransomware and crypto jacking specifically, the other thing that seems to come into almost every malware attack somewhere but maybe doesn't get the interest and the importance it deserves are things called downloaders and droppers but that's quite a critical indicator of how modern malware attacks unfold isn't it it is so if you think about how a how the crook goes about infecting your machine there's a variety of kind of hurdles they have to cross to achieve their goal um, it's not just simply a case of them delivering whatever payload it is straight to your machine. They'll typically use some sort of thin installer, dropper, downloader type component, which might not even be an application itself. It might be a it might be a Word document. It might be a script component. And this is the thing they can try and get through your... So a Word document or an Excel file or PowerPoint, that can contain a thing called a macro, which yes. is basically visual basic for applications program. So a Word exactly. document can be both data and code at the same time. Sadly, yes. And a text file, a plain old text file, could be JavaScript or Visual Basic script, or very commonly these days, PowerShell, the new Windows programming language. It's just a line of text, isn't it? Almost in English. Yes. Go to this site, download this thing, and run it. Exactly. And so this this kind of skinny component, once it's kind of running on your system or once it's running within, say, Office on your system, that active code then runs and retrieves the next stage of the attack, which might be the actual payload itself or might be some other component that's used as part of that whole kind of delivery mechanism. And there's a variety of reasons for this. It gives the bad guys more flexibility. So they might choose to maybe, I don't know, when that initial request is made by that downloader, maybe they check what country you're coming from. And maybe they have different payloads for different countries. Maybe before they find ah, out. So that means that when, when you hear people saying, oh, I've identified this downloader, it's trod slash agent dash ABCD or whatever it is. Yeah. That's associated with ransomware. But for all we know that if you happen to be in Germany, maybe you would have got a banking trojan. Yeah, exactly. If you were in Singapore, maybe you would have got some kind of SMS scamming thing going on. Or maybe if you happen to be in a home country of the crooks themselves, maybe you get nothing because maybe they don't want to infect people in their own country. They that may be a law enforcement fear and danger yeah, they thing. They want to try and avoid arrest. 
So the cooks can change what they deliver to each potential victim by time of day, by what country you're in, by yep. whether they've infected you before. Yeah, or in, in actual fact, this, this kind of skinny component, this downloader component could even be a service itself. Maybe the thing they install is actually, that's how they make money. Maybe they're just responsible for that one component and other people that want their malware installed essentially pay them revenue to then install whatever component. So over time, it might change as their customers change. To get back via the long road to ransomware, which was very much the big story in malware last year. But as you've eloquently explained, there are zillions of other sorts of malware we should worry about as well. This year, it seems to be crypto jacking. Uh, you'll even hear people saying, well, crypto jacking is the new ransomware. That's nonsense, isn't it? They're both out there and they're both doing very well for the crooks. Yes. So I think we all know what ransomware is. It's the stuff that scrambles your files. Uh, or locks up your computer and then says, give me money or or you won't get your data back. What's crypto jacking? Uh, so crypto jacking and crypto mining is basically software that performs a high volume of kind of mathematical calculations in order to generate checksums, which are used essentially in the whole business of digital currency transactions. The, the jargon is blockchain, isn't it? Yes. The, uh, each cryptocurrency has a blockchain, and the blockchain is just the list of transactions that the community agrees is the truth. Yes. So by participating, by donating your electricity and computer time, you have a chance of making money every now and then. Yep. Therefore, if you can borrow somebody else's computer and get them to pay for the electricity, you can benefit without having to steal any data, scramble any files, turn on any webcams. You can basically make the same amount, you can, you can, you can get the same sort of um, uh, uh, fees for your efforts, but without any of the costs, because you're not paying for any of that kind of CPU or electricity, et cetera. And the people, reason... people have been doing this legitimately, using legitimate software on rigs that they've built and paid for and built up themselves that are designed to kind of increase the efficiency of how, how rapidly they can do these calculations. But the, the current trend in crypto money and crypto jacking is using other people's hardware to do this. So crypto jacking is just crypto mining, which is legitimate if you do it yourself on your own computer, on a hijacked computer. Put them together, crypto jacking. Yes. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, who cares? Like a little bit of electricity, maybe it costs me £2.75 every two weeks. It's bad. When I find out, I'll be annoyed. It's the cost of a pint of beer. I'm probably going, not going to throw my toys out of the cot about it too much. I'll remove the crypto jacking malware. No harm done. Is it really that simple? Well, superficially, I can understand where that argument comes from. Yeah. If you get hit by ransomware, bang, all your files are gone. If you get hit by a data stealer, the first you know of it is your data's out there, being exfiltrated, the bad guys own it. And in that sense, crypto jacking, Yes, someone's been stealing your electricity, someone's been kind of maybe making one of your servers run slightly slower. Is it actually that painful? But there's several reasons why actually it is a problem. Firstly, how did they get in? Right. How did this stuff get on the machine in the first place? Instantly, I think, well, crikey, if they got in, who else has got in? What else is on that system? Or maybe even if it is just these crooks that have got in and they've got their crypto jacking through or running on their system, well, what else have they put there? 20 years of kind of 20 years plus of malware experience tells us that when bad guys get in, they typically will have some sort of safety net, some sort of hook, additional hook in there. So if you happen to clean up one of the threats, suppose they install a bot on your system, actually, in addition to that, there's some other backdoor, there's some other 
piece of software running that's designed to give them persistence. I mean, for people that think it's harmless, would you take a laptop, your, you know, your maybe your work laptop or your home laptop, and if you were guaranteed that a, a, a person in the street wasn't going to modify or delete a file, would you be happy just to open the laptop and let them do what they want on it for three weeks, as long as they didn't either modify or delete a file? Of course you wouldn't. No, you're quite right, particularly when you imagine that the way that crypto checking code got in in the first place yeah. was probably through some kind of a downloader. Let's move on a little bit. And what I want to do very quickly, because we have about um, six minutes or so left, let's talk about the most likely way. We've, we've listed dozens of different sorts of malware that you need to be worried about. So don't get hung up on ransomware and crypto jacking if those topics inspire you to go and learn more about cyber criminality and dealing with it great but just defending against those two threats is nowhere near enough yeah. that sort of raises the question what's the most likely way these days and what do you see as the trend in, in the future what's the most likely way that this stuff gets in is it all cloak and dagger zero day exploit hacking state actor stuff or is it more about trying to hide in plain sight and co-opt people into doing things they later regret. So three, four years ago, maybe a touch of the touch more of the former. So people were typically getting infected as they browse the web and they happen to browse a perfectly legitimate site, but one that's being compromised, they get redirected, software on their machine is exploited using JavaScript tricks and the like. That's what and we call an exploit. An exploit kit, exactly. So the, the crooks are relying on you having an unpatched bug that lets them take over without, without you doing knowledge, anything due. Just as you're browsing the web. So there's no reason to trick people. There's no requirement to kind of email people anything. So right. that was the kind of the, the definitely the, 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 the main way in which people got infected three, four years ago. Actually, over time, we've now gone back to more of an old school scenario where most people today probably get infected through social engineering, probably delivered via email. So As that's kind of what you'd loosely call phishing. Correct. Here's an email. Hey, you've got to do something. This will be absolutely great for you if you do it or it'll be really bad for you if you don't. Yeah. Please help us. We are the crooks by unzipping this file and running the attached executable. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or in some cases, just clicking on a link. And then that link happens to maybe download a Word document or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it happens to be. And then that, that initial little hook, once they've got you to kind of click on that link, to double click that attachment, that's the starting point where we go then through the, chain, the stepwise process of them getting their malware onto your machine. The trend seems to be that they're not attacking in great lumps. They're kind of doing it in a series of tiny stages, each of which we might miss. But there is a flip side to that that benefits us, the good guys, isn't there? Namely, that if we can head off any one of those stages, we win. Exactly. And also, after two or three of those stages, you might get the actual payload. If we take out those early stages, it doesn't matter what the actual payload was or was intended to be. We, will in, we win in all those cases. So when you hear the term attack chain, that's, that's what it means. And when you hear people like myself talk about layered protection, that's what we mean. We talk about these layers of protection that are specifically designed to deal with this, these kind of individual steps that are part of the process of people getting infected. So increasingly, the sort of the tricks that the crooks are trying these days are in some ways less technically low level and sophisticated than maybe they were a few years ago when you had system drivers and root kits and all that devilish stuff. But if they can get you to take a series of small steps, yeah one at a time 
and they have a little bit of patience, they can actually get somewhere. To achieve all these small steps required, can they just abuse legitimate system utilities that are present on you know, 99 or in fact 100% of machines? That like PowerShell. To effect, like PowerShell, yeah. like any script engine, like a multitude of other system components. Okay, so I'm now going to throw you in at the deep slash shallow end. Fraser's four top tips, four things you can do today that will make you, whether you're at home or at work, more resilient to today's cyber criminals. First up, patch. We always say it, but it's very important. Ensure that you patch your systems. That stops all the exploit kits and all the you never expected this. It's, it, it enables you to update your software, so for all the known vulnerabilities, you won't be exposed by known ones. It will only leave you exposed to what we call zero-day vulnerabilities, so vulnerabilities that have not yet been discovered. So it dramatically reduces your so risk. So you're surface. forcing the crooks to be inventive instead yeah. of just using something exactly. that worked a year ago. I mean, nowadays, people should right. not be falling victim to attacks that are using exploits that are more than a few weeks, months old. It's ridiculous sure. when people get infected with vulnerabilities for which there's been a patch available for many months. Don't say Equifax. <laughs> uh, secondly, secure. So use a good security product. Use a security product that, that's renowned. And so you can use third-party tests. You can look at all sorts of blogs and keep those products up to date. Install them properly. You know, Don't allow your users, your family members to bypass those tools. You did mention earlier the idea of layered defense, defense in depth. In Sophos material, we talk about synchronized security. Yes, and you want to make sure you choose a security product that doesn't just kind of detect things it knows are bad, but also has kind of some some sense of proactive capability. So you look at things like um, lockdown capabilities. So yeah. deliberately look for you know the abuse of legitimate applications through to exploit mitigations. Third, over my kind of 20 years in IT security, this one's dropped in and out of my list, but it's still important. Even though we know it doesn't work fully, it still is important. Educate. So educate your users, educate your family members, practice safe hex, however you want to describe it, understanding <laughs> some of the problems yeah. that can happen, understanding why data security is important is a really important part of the whole kind of security picture today. They're never going to be safer than when they're looking out for themselves and yes. for everybody else. And then last but not least, policy. So the word that many people shy away from, again, but this is important. So. This is more relevant, I guess, toward uh, organizations and business, but actually it can still be relevant relevant in a family environment. So look yeah, at your policy sounds like a bit of an ugly word. For it family, does. But it's sort of what you mean for your kids. Why it's Rules. why it's a bad idea for them to be able to play any game they want anytime unsupervised if they're not the right age. Exactly. And so a good security product will, will expose to you simple policies which allow you to kind of dramatically reduce the risk surface. So this could be policy in terms of what applications do you allow to run within your environment? So maybe you, you limit it down to you know, certain types of application or specific applications are simply not allowed to run um, through to maybe what type of content are you allowing to come in through the web or through email. Yeah. So you can have you know, a simple example might be email attachment policies. I don't want office documents containing active content to be coming into my email. So although policy sounds like the that's where IT is all about control, it's not really that. It's just saying, here are the things I want to do. And I'm going to take some steps to make sure that it's not just lip service. Exactly. And a good security product will, will let you kind of test out policy. So rather yeah. than just enforcing some policy that you dreamt up overnight, it will allow you to kind of push out that policy in a, some sort of silent mode. Can I block this application? Well, let's track how is this application being used in my environment. That type right. Of so, thing. With, for example, with Sophos endpoint protection, yep. you could use our application control. I wonder if there is 
any Opera browser left in our company, you can go and look. Yes. And if you find that people are using it, then you can say, no, we're getting the red card, which is a brighter red than the previous red card we get, we got. I'm so sorry to have to stop you, Fraser, because okay, you're no just problem. getting started. But uh, in another year, we'll have you back.